Well, good morning, real life. Okay. I warn you, Cubs scored four in the ninth. I'm in a good mood. Yes. He's so sophisticated. Luke chapter 10 has got a very unique passage of Scripture. It gives us something we should learn about. It's a healing, but it's not a physical healing. So we're getting into something very different. It's actually a healing of emotions, deep-seated feelings. A psychologist, Dr. Samuel Shoemaker, author, writes, Everybody has a problem. Everybody is a problem. Everybody has to live with someone else with a problem. That's true. Basically, we have to understand that that we all have have damaged emotions. We we, we all have luggage. I, I think I'm a walking Samsonite. People with emotional problems and personality issues because of those problems are not automatically healed at salvation. The Holy Spirit doesn't just jump in and cleanse us of all of our emotional complexes. Salvation isn't some kind of hocus-pocus deprogramming of you and your emotional damage and luggage. If someone has emotional problems, it's not made emotionally mature by an alter experience. And frankly, between me and you, I've heard some pastors and evangelists mislead people at this point. They've talked about salvation as if it's doing some things that's really not. So let's begin by making this really clear. I don't want to give the impression that because I gave my life to Jesus and I am now living a purpose and I'm now living kingdom, that that automatically erases all the emotional damage that's been created in my past. Because what happens here, if someone's misled, someone with really deep scars, when they fall off that spiritual cloud line, it's quite a thud. Emotionally in the dumps, Satan rushes right in. No Christian's ever felt like this before. And what happens, typically, rather than dealing with problems, people tend to deny them. Or they repress them. They crush them down. They never stay down. Sigmund Freud. Repressed emotions always reappear, but never in the form it was repressed. That's a weird thought. Repressed emotions, it's an emotional level. You repress them, they always reappear, but never the way they were, they were repressed. They were repressed as emotions, they usually reappear physically. They come back disguised as a physical problem. Refusing to see ourselves, deal with our emotions, if it's repressed, typically comes back as a health issue. But let me tell you something else. Victorious living and freedom in Christ is real. This is not a fantasy. This isn't tongue-in-cheek. So let's put those kind of introductory thoughts with this unique passage of Scripture. It's a little bit mind-blowing. Dr. Luke, the physician, who better than, than to record this? Luke chapter 13, three verses, 10 to 13. Take a look at them with me. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. A woman, child of Abraham, who was there for 18 years had a spirit of infirmity, critical part, spirit of infirmity. That made, her, that made her crippled. Her back was always bent. She could not stand up straight. Jesus saw her. He called her over and said, Woman, you are free, not healed. Free. 
Jesus put his hands on her. That's also important. Immediately, she was able to stand up and began praising God. Okay, a couple of key lines I pointed out. Dr. Luke, our physician guy, our brilliant guy, says she has a spirit of infirmity. He's very specific. He's talked about healings, and he's called them infirmities. He didn't, he didn't say that here. It's unique. He says she has a spirit of infirmity. So spirit. Well, Jean, could she have been demon-possessed? No, we've got to rule that out. Well, how do you know? Because it says Jesus put his hands on her. Jesus had dealt with demon-possessed people, yes. He always called the demons out. He never touched them. Here, she's not demon-possessed because Jesus lays his hands on her. So we can rule that, th that theory out. She doesn't have an iniquity. She has a spirit of iniquity. An emotional issue. So emotional. She's crippled from it. Repressed emotions always come back physically. She's, she's suffering, doubled up with a spirit of infirmity. She's been damaged this way for 18 years. The bent, the bent back is not the issue. That's the symptom. The spirit of infirmity, that's the issue. Taking care of the spirit of infirmity takes care of the back. She's called a child of Abraham. Let me call you a child of God. Satan wants to use something in your past to damage you today. I know. Duh. But sometimes we don't talk about that. Maybe there are times we ought to talk about this. Satan can use something in your past that happened to you to damage you today. In fact, he will lock us with this. He will bind us with this. Of course, we're, all, we're dealing in mental stuff here, aren't we? The mind. And realize the majority of your mind you can't control. It's subconscious. But it controls you. The mind, they say, is like an iceberg. The iceberg that you see is a, is a fraction. Most of it's underwater. There's a mountain underwater. Our mind is that way. What you, the conscious mind that you really can think of and control, that's like an iceberg. The overwhelming part of your mind is subconscious. But it has filled a filing cabinet, almost a museum, of every single event in your life. It's in your subconscious. Maybe you can't remember it. Maybe you can't call it up at will. But it's there. And it affects us. Even memories of your own birth. Dr. Wilfred Pinford, a neurosurgeon, a leader in the field, has breakthrough uh, research in the subconscious. Stimulating parts of the mind, people have actually described their own birth experience. Everything is there. Every last second of your life is there in this subconscious kind of museum stored in a file. You may not be able to recall it at will, but it's there and it affects you. Hurts, humiliations, that you have pressed down because it hurts, affects you. It affects the way you see yourself. It affects the way you see others. And eventually it affects the way you see God. Damaged people hit the adult life bringing all their damaged emotions with them. America is really a mess of mostly damaged people reproducing themselves. And into this reality, we bring the gospel, a victorious life. And a quick prayer is not going to undo years of hurt. I'm sorry. So let's get even more specific. You might see yourself. Holy Spirit might speak to you in a brand new way. Let me give you some examples of symptoms of damaged emotions. For some people, they have this incredible feeling of inferiority. 
There's this sense always about them. I'm not good enough. I, I will never be good enough. Constantly belittling ourselves. This is not humility. This is more than humility. This is a damaged emotion. Someone like this brings Jesus into their life and their conscious mind says, I'm a child of the king. Finally, I'm worthy. Finally, I'm good enough. And the unconscious mind creeps in and says, really? And it feeds those doubts. We're going to have a healing deep in our mind. Damaged emotions become a weapon of the enemy. These are scars. They don't need forgiveness. It's not sin, but they need healing. Let me give you another symptom. It's the perfection complex. It's not that you need to have everything right. We, we all want things right. But being so perfect, it's never perfect enough. Soon, I can't quite please others. I, I can't please myself. I can't please God. Always climbing, never arriving. Always guilt for not having the desired perfection that's, that, that's required. They bring Christ into their life and God becomes Napoleon. I climb a ladder closer to God, he climbs away. Every step I take, he goes farther away. He just becomes more and more demanding on my perfection. Always trying, never achieving. There's no victory. My whole life is striving. Another symptom, you might see yourself, is what I call the super sensitive saint. They see all the hurts. No one else can even guess they're there. They see all the pain. No one else would even know they're there. They're prepared to jump on every bandwagon. My first church, 40 years ago, it was a home mission church, church plants, just not very many people, 60 or 60 or so. One entrance. It made it nice. I, I could greet everybody. When you got multiple entrances, it's hard to greet everybody. This church was perfect for me because I got to be at that front door and shake hands. This is before COVID. And, and actually personally greet everybody. To this day, I promise you, from my heart, I didn't see her. But being there greeting everybody, I think what happened, I got into a conversation and pulled into this conversation, and she slipped in. I think she probably stood there waiting for the, the weekly greet from her pastor. Re realizing I, I wasn't going to greet her, she went and, and, and sat down. And probably through the service, couldn't handle it anymore and walked out and never came back. I finally found out why. I didn't greet her. I, I promise you, I never saw her. But because I didn't greet her, I didn't like her. How sensitive can you be? People like this see others talking or laughing and maybe they're talking about me. Maybe they're laughing at me. She left the church because I didn't shake her hand that morning. And she put it together. He didn't shake my hand. He doesn't like me. Those super sensitive hate. Somewhere along the line, someone completely damaged this gal. And she's living it out. Emotions that are damaged. And maybe events that we put in our subconscious affect us today. They don't need forgiveness. This is not sin. This is healing. Frankly, I wish I could take all the tears of your past, all the emotional hurts that shape you today. If we could bring all those tears, I think it'd be a pretty decent lake. Let me give you the most bizarre statement I can think of. 
Maybe the most blessed and productive kingdom churches today are the churches that go to hell. Wow. Because we're surrounded by people living in homes of hell. We're surrounded by people who are so damaged, they're living in their own private hell. Even people in our own church living in a personal private hell because of a hurt. And we're really good at masking it. We're, we're going to shake hands. We're going to smile. But hiding hurts, damaged emotions. We've got to go there and somehow convey to them, Jesus loves you, cares about you, conquers personal hells. We have a message for hurting people. God really does change things, even the deepest, most private, subconscious hurt. Romans chapter 8 talks about all of this. All right, you sold me. I'm damaged. Who isn't? What do I do to be healed? Do I just pray and ask? Maybe I've never been healed because I never asked. God's a miracle worker. I just pray, God, heal me of the damage that's happened in my life that I can be healthy. Yes and no. It's more than that. There is that instantaneous prayer. But it's also a process. Wait a second, Gene. Those are opposites, aren't they? Instant and process? I mean, how, how do you put them together? Nothing can be instant and a process at the same time. I beg your pardon. I would suggest that marriage is an instant and a process. 41 years ago, in Orland Park, Illinois, Tammy and I faced each other. I wore a white suit, white tux, which was in style back then. I, get, I said my vows. I said I do. I got to kiss my bride. I can't get more married than that. I can't. I was married. I can't be more married than that moment. 41 years later, I am millions of miles more married than I was at that moment. I thought I knew Tammy. What was I thinking? I knew I was in love with her. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. But I had to figure out who she really was. What happened here? There was an instant event that I can look back on the rest of my life. At June 2nd, 1979, I married Tamara. I can look back at that moment and say, I can't get more married than that. It was an event, a crisis event, that gave me the permission, that gave me the opportunity to understand who she is. Maybe this healing episode begins with an event that we can always point back to and say, that's the day that I put, I, I, I put it on the altar and said, God in heaven, my subconscious is damaging me. God in heaven, events of yesterday are damaging me. God in heaven, I know you're my Savior. I praise you for forgiving me of my sins, but I'm so damaged. I need a healing. Does it happen immediately? Maybe. I, I, I don't ever want to discount God, but I think it opens the door to a process. Marriage opened the door to a process, but I can point back to that day. It begins a spiritual healing journey. Now, this, I, I can define the process as I, as I understand it. I believe there are, are five very quick steps. I'm going to give them to you very quickly in this process that begins with a prayer. Saying, God, I want to begin this process with you. Step one, face your problem. Squarely, ruthless, honest, however deep the hurt. Acknowledge it to you, acknowledge it to God. You can't heal what we don't know is still hidden. Acknowledge the problem. Number two, face your responsibility. 
Sometimes it hurts, particularly it hurts. And I'm not throwing stones, I'm good at this too. It hurts, I'm good at blaming everybody else. I can be a victim if you let me. The problem is, we never receive help until we stop blaming everybody else. Face up to, is that hurt there because I have a responsibility? What's my responsibility here? What have I done to help that hurt? Number three, ask yourself, do I want to be healed? You're saying, Gene, skip that part. I mean, back again, duh. Skip that. that. But that's a great question. It seems like a foolish question, but it's a real question. I mean, the pool of Bethesda was a miracle. An angel would stir the water and the first person in would be healed. There was someone that was crippled there that couldn't be the first person in. And Jesus walked to them and said, do you want to be healed? They said, you know, I've been by this pool for 38, 38 years. 38 years. 38 ever loving years. And I never can be the first one in. And Jesus says, I know that. Do you really want to be healed? Or do you just want to think about it? I think maybe we have to get that deep and say, do I really want to be healed here? Some have gotten used to those hurts. Some have gotten used to those bruises. The fact of the matter is, they kind of like them. It becomes a, an excuse for their life. They can blame a lot of things on those hurts. Do you really want to be healed is a fair and reasonable question. Part four in healing. Forgive everybody involved. Find the grace to forgive. Weight can be rolled off your soul. An 81-year-old man testified, his father was religious and cruel. That's a bad combo. After years, on a Sunday, he was able to forgive. 81 years old, at a lifetime of resentment, a lifetime of quasi-hate, a lifetime rolled off his soul. Forgive anyone and everyone in your hurt. That's easy to say, easy to preach, but kind of tough to do. Forgive deep in your soul. Forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness. Forgive. They haven't even asked for forgiveness. Forgive. You're not forgiving them for you. Frankly, you're forgiving them for your own health. This is a deep cancer in your soul. And Satan will continue to use it. You've heard me say over and over, Satan's evil, but not one time does the Bible call him stupid. Non-forgiveness stops the healthy process. And finally, number five, You've probably seen this coming. Forgive yourself. Finally, forgive yourself. The Holy Spirit knows where to go to help you forgive yourself. There's a relationship between Henry Ford and an engineer named John Steinmetz. John Steinmetz is one of the forgotten guys in the automotive history. He, he was a developer. He developed a starter. There was an incredible battle between these two men. Hatred, Steinmetz bolts. But they had a problem with the starter. And so Henry Ford, being Henry Ford, took one of them that, that was not working right and shipped it to him with a note that said that this is, this is broken. Fix it. Write down what you did so we can, we can duplicate it on other starters and bill me. No kind words, just orders. Steinmetz did it. Fixed it. Wrote out, wrote, wrote out the order of events to, to, to correct the others. And then he sent the bill for $5,000. Now, that's a lot of money now. Back then, Ford was, was more than furious. 
He, he, he sent a note back that said, I will pay you if you wish, but can't we at least agree that $5,000 is a little bit much for tinkering with a starter? Steinmetz redid the bill, but I think this is classic. Steinmetz wrote, $10 for tinkering, $4,990 for knowing where to tinker. Is that classic or what? Okay. The Holy Spirit knows where to tinker. He knows where to tinker on you. And it might be the number one thing you got to do is forgive yourself. Finally, after all these years of carrying the weight, let it go. Forgive yourself. Jesus comes along and says, I have forgiven you. Why haven't you? Healing in your memories. The subconscious. I want you to picture your mind like a gigantic museum. Because it is. And you have halls you love. You look at those pictures and you can't help but smile. Though maybe your wedding, birth of your kids. Our daughter and son-in-law adopted a little boy and the, and the, the judge was a Christian for such a class act. And he asked Theo to come up on, on, on his lap and bang the gavel. And Theo banged himself in as an as adoptee. And then the, 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 the judge came down and we formed a circle and prayed a blessing on on, on uh, this new family, that, this new baby coming into their family. That's in my museum. I, I'll daydream about that day. That was so much fun for me, how cool that judge was. I, I'll look at that picture. I can't help but smile. You got a museum of halls in your mind that you go down, you daydream about them. You love those halls. You can't help but look at that picture and go, that was a great day. That was a great memory. You daydream about those halls. Of course you do. You're human. Me too. But there are some halls that are taped off, aren't they? A gigantic sign there, no trespassing. You don't dare go down those halls. Because every picture there hurts you. Can you go down with Jesus? To every traumatic experience of that hall that frankly hurts you. Are you even allowed down that hall? Can you take those pictures off that wall and spiritually put them in Jesus' hand and say, I'm done. The gallery of your life. Because let Jesus begin this event of the healing of a spirit of infirmity. It's instant like a wedding. But it's a process. But as you're going through the process, you can always remember that was the day that I walked down the hall with Jesus and took pictures down. That was the day that I began this process and began the process of actual real healing. Because every one of those pictures is like a button. And you begin to grow. You begin to mature spiritually. You begin to advance. Satan goes and pushes that button. Again, he's not stupid. He knows he owns you at that point. What do you think he's going to stop? The only way he stops is if you take the picture down and he doesn't have the button in his hand anymore. As long as that picture in that hall exists and you allow it to exist, Satan will keep going back to it. We're not talking about being saved. We're talking about hurts, wounds, and the miracle power of Jesus. Understand this. The relationship with Jesus is not one size fits all. It really isn't. It's a unique relationship between you and your creator 
and everyone is unique. I don't think I want to tell you about my journey because my journey, while it's important to me, is not your journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all relationship because your halls are different than mine. So you need to come to him and say, this is the halls of my museum. Meet my unique needs. This is not just a church experience. This is knowing Christ. Because Satan has used it to damage me in my relationship with Christ. He's used it to damage me with other people. He's used it to damage me with my very soul. Maybe a miracle needs to begin. The healing of a spirit of infirmity. Let's stand together. Father, it's a deep thought. But it's initiated by St. Luke. A woman was healed with a spirit of infirmity and Jesus did not put his hands on her. She wasn't demon possessed. And Jesus said, be free. We didn't say be healed. I think you want to come alongside us today and say, someone here crying out loud, be free. I have been damaged enough by yesterday and I can't change yesterday. Be free. God in heaven, it might be you will work a miracle here. Or it might be that I just need to come to you with a very simple prayer and begin a process. Father, walk me through the process. Walk me through the museum that I've never gone down those halls. Help me, Father, in a spiritual way to to actually see me taking down a picture and putting it in your hands. And Father, may I just come to you and say, Satan is never again going to use this against me. Because all he cares about is damaging me. Why would I let him keep doing it? Father, I pray that a process and an event occur on a day when your spirit is so clear and so obvious and sweet in this room. In the holy name of Jesus. We've always taken one second just to talk about next Sunday. I don't want to get into it, but the inspiration is a little old lady in her choir robe. I want to tell you her story next week. But I think God is moving now. Let's worship together.